0: Welcome to In the Fire, a podcast for the young families of Chapelgate Presbyterian Church. Marriage and parenting are a wonderful blessing and are extremely rewarding, but they're also really hard and can leave us feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and defeated. That's exactly why we started this podcast, to help families see how the gospel injects encouragement, comfort, and hope into the daily grind of our lives, and to remind you that you're never alone in the struggle there is another in the fire.
1: Hello and welcome back to In the Fire. My name is Rob Gicking. I'm the host of this podcast and today we're going to be talking about one of the main calls of a Christian and and that's to spread the gospel. But how do we do that in our daily lives as young families? You know, Whether you're married or you're married with kids, you are living in a specific context. You have certain relational responsibilities you have to deal with and how do we kind of engage our culture in the space and context that we exist in? And to help us answer that question, I'm joined today by Dr. Dan Passarelli. He is president of Metro Baltimore Seminary and pastor of Spiritual Renewal here at Chapelgate. Dr. Dan, welcome. Thanks, Rob. Uh, great to be with you guys. Yeah, and I'm, I'm putting a lot of emphasis on doctor. Would you, would you care to explain to everybody why that is?
0: Well, uh, we are recording this episode um, the week after uh, I received my doctoral hood. Uh, and uh, uh, you've been hooded. I mean, I've that's, been hooded. Yeah. What is that for the rest of
1: the world that doesn't live in these, uh, <clears throat> I'll use the word, academic uh, realm?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's basically you get a, a cloth put over your head. It's like the it's a part of the gown, part of the get up. So basically what I'm hearing is you worked
1: really, really hard to get a piece of cloth put on your head. I I basically got a
0: fancy scarf out of the whole thing. And and TJ Maxx wasn't an option for you? No. Okay.
1: Well, (laughs) you know, everybody's different, and uh, we're really—no, but on a serious note, we're super proud of you, Dan. You did a great job, and um, we're we're all benefiting from the hard work you've put in. So really, uh, I like to start every guest off with an extremely difficult question so the rest of the episode seems pretty easy— And my difficult question for you is this. I'd like for you to rank the following sports in order of their entertainment value. Water polo, curling, quidditch, disc golf, and cornhole. And to be clear, I'm not talking quidditch like in the movie. I'm talking quidditch like the kids who are in college they play like they run around with the broomstick between their legs they don't fly they just literally run around have you seen this
0: yeah i have okay i mean it's not nearly as fun as the movie version it's I, not i gotta tell you so when you say rank it according to entertainment value is that in terms of watching it played or par- participating yeah you, you're an observer here. i'm an observer all right so i would have to go um curling uh as, as the top or bottom as the top curling at the top wow uh followed by quidditch um mostly again because like college kids running around on broomsticks pretty funny um then water polo and then what was the other one before disc golf and corner yeah oh man that's can they both be at the bottom they they can very boring yeah yeah very boring okay
1: i'm not sure how disc golf is more boring than curling but i uh you know it's a subjective (laughs) question have you ever
0: seen rob somebody go crazy with a broom on the ice it is very exciting is that curling stone gonna stop i think part of me is
1: just biased against it out of the straight fact that in middle school i had to do a report on curling and there's no ice so i had to mock pretend to curl on the the hallway (laughs) floor and I couldn't use a, uh, you know, a kettle because that doesn't slide in real life on the floor. So it just was a, it was a dud. The whole yeah. presentation All right. was a dud. I get it. I get it. Um, but now that we've dug into my my sketchy past and sadness, let's go ahead and talk today about what it is to to live in Howard County. Obviously, we, we, you know, we're not ignoring the Baltimore County, Howard County. What's it like to live in Central Maryland in 2022 and be a Christian? And so to start off... Um, where does this like mandate, if I could even use that word, for evangelism come from?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's a good question actually. Um, you know you you said at the beginning, you know uh, that that an important part of the life of any christian is is sharing the gospel. and I, and I think um, what what you mean by that, what you mean by the gospel is really this this good news that Jesus has come to save sinners and and so in one sense thinking about the mandate uh or the command um it really it really boils boils down to uh we have we have this incredible good news that that god entered the world to rescue sinners of of which all of us fit that category right um so I think on on the one hand it's just we 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 have good news that we that needs to be shared. It it can't help but be shared. Right. Um on the other side I mean I think you know if you, if you want to go a little bit more kind of like a, a sort of theological with that answer um you could look at kind of the twin mandates of of the church and of humanity. So uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus, uh, right before he's taken up to heaven, says to his disciples, uh, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, <clears throat> excuse me, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you." And that's and that's. Um... That's what we mean when we refer to the Great Commission. Yeah, right? The, that's right. That's We call that the Great Commission. Um, and But it's rooted, it's it's a commission, it's a sending out of Jesus' disciples that's rooted in this good news that Jesus has all authority, that the authority in heaven and on earth does not belong to um, the sin that might uh, condemn us. It doesn't belong to the evil circumstances that might trap us. It belongs to Jesus. And so that that sending out that being commissioned is rooted in his authority. That's the good news.
1: Right. So it's not even it's it's not even I'm in authority and you are in like you're under submission to me now go there is an aspect of that right? Jesus is certainly higher than we are and, and we do look to him as Lord. But sure,
0: it's actually he's conquered the enemy exactly my enemy yeah 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 yeah. so so in some ways again it's it's just that's just the natural outworking of living under that the freedom of living under jesus's authority
1: yeah the freedom of living under jesus's authority Right. right
0: and and then the other the other kind of mandate we might look at so that's the great commission that's the that's the new testament uh commissioning sending of the church um But uh, we could look further back into the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, um, where God creates humanity. And he says uh, to humanity, uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And um, humanity, we call that the cultural mandate, uh, that, that humanity has been given the mandate by God, in some ways, the authority to to represent to live as God's representatives on earth, and to bring all things under the authority of God, um, as his as his uh, we we use the term vicegerents uh, those are sort of his under rulers, mm-hmm. um, and and so in some ways when we talk about evangelism or sharing the gospel what we're really we're really going back to that cultural mandate, which is bringing all things around us, people, institutions, um, you know, uh, creation itself under the rule of God who has brought all things under the rule of Christ.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important because especially in America, right? Like I don't like the word authority any more than anybody else. It's we're, we're, we're a country based on not liking authority, right? Right, right. Anybody who was in authority at one point was told you're no longer in authority. And so, (laughs) you know, we can see that as I want to, I want to bring creation under the authority of God. I want to bring myself under the authority of God and it can chafe our hearts a little bit until we recognize exactly what you said, which is to be under the authority of Christ means I am free. Yeah. You know, and there's a beauty there. And so the contrary is if I'm not under Christ's authority, if I haven't experienced a saving faith in him, then I am not free. And yeah. so really our call to to share the gospel is one of truly good news. Yeah. yeah. There is a way to be free. There is a better way than this. You don't have to live a slave and die a slave, you can live a life as a child of God.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this might be uh, a topic for a whole different podcast that you might want to do. Um, but that idea of authority, I mean, Bob Bob Dylan has a song where he, he says, you know, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And th- the reality is we all have to live under authority. And so the question is not, Am I going to live under authority or not? The question is, what kind of authority am I going to live under? Right. And in in Jesus, what we have is an authority that invites us to live in a way that we were made to live. Hmm. Uh, we were made to live as God's uh, under rulers over creation, and in Jesus, that that role is restored. Um, and and so. As you said, it's, it's, it's authority that sets us free. So, yeah, I mean, you've laid
1: out a really good biblical understanding of what's going on. But I, I, I think what's interesting is we don't want to be free, right? I, I don't actually believe the great philosopher Bob Dylan, right? I got to serve somebody. And, and so almost it's, it's our culture seems to answer that with, sure, if I have to, if I really have to serve somebody, it's going to be me, <laughs> Right. Right. To borrow InSync, the great <laughs> the great <laughs> prophets of InSync, Right. It's going to be me. And so I go, we seem to be living in times where where you and I and, and maybe most of our listeners are going to go, yeah, it's great news. Like who wouldn't love to hear this? But most people seem to not want to hear this. Would you agree that like we're getting more and more into a, a disenfranchised culture and, and maybe even a hostile culture towards Christianity?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question, Rob. I think, um, I think there's a couple ways you can look at that. I mean, uh, certainly um, there is a sense of disenfranchisement, of, um, of disillusionment that um, the, the promises uh, of sort of a, a, a Christian heritage That our nation may have uh, may not have panned out for everyone, and so there's sort of a hostility to that. Like, well, you know, clearly that didn't solve all injustice. So, like, let's just throw it all off and let's try something else. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I do think we we see some of that. At the same time, um, I I would say people are always people, Um, and so I mean, we we believe in. uh, I mean, again, you know, like. The, the theological term is we, did, we believe in the depravity of humanity, um, that, that all of us are born with this rebellion against God, and, um, and, and that rebellion is going to take different forms in every generation. So it's going to look different, um, and sometimes it may be more overt, more obvious, and sometimes it might be less obvious. Um, and And maybe, I mean you could you could argue that maybe it's becoming a little more obvious these days. maybe.
1: Yeah. Sure. I, I think that what you just said, it, it's, it's kind of jogging my own my own conviction, because I think when we talk about the depravity of man, I often see it as an outward, an external qualifi- qualifier. so it's like, I think about the depravity of man out there, out beyond my house, out beyond my church, out beyond me as something that distinguishes me from everybody else. But really I, I was right there too before Jesus Christ, right? I'm part of the, of the depravity of man. I, I'm part of the slave. Uh, uh, what, what did Mike say a couple of weeks ago in a sermon, the, the tyranny of self-interest, right? Mm. I am, I'm living in that. And it's, it's by the grace of Jesus through faith that I exit that and enter into, into the, the, the new life, right. Of Corinthians. And so I, I, I think that's helpful. We may come back to that later as we sort of talk about how do we engage this hostile, uh, depraved, you know, culture of ours? Well, certainly not from a, a place of pride, but but let's come back to that. So, um, you know, statistics are showing that people are walking away from church at, at really, you know, high rates, that the, the fastest growing, quote unquote, religion of the day is actually none. Um, right we're we're walking away from christianity but we're also walking away from sort of any any higher spirituality.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard them I've heard people refer to that that category as the nuns and duns. The nuns and duns. Right. They they have no religion and they're they're done with religion. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: I'm just curious. It's one thing to be a nun and dun, but it really starts to feel for me, and I know some of our young families are even trying to deal with this from a a parenting perspective. It'd be one thing if it was none and done, but it it almost does feel like it's none and done, and you better be as well, mm. right? Um, I mean, we're we're in a season right now that seems like our depravity. Maybe it is more, maybe, but it's certainly more in your face. We're 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 proud of the things that are counter to Scripture. We're we're really. Um, critical and questioning and and cynical even towards those who hold to a christian faith and so as you've thought through that in your role at church but also with the seminary like how are you how do you think we are to engage i mean there's a there's a couple ways we can but what are your
0: thoughts on that yeah um rob one of the things um that's uh interesting as our, our listeners don't know this but we before we even started this conversation we prayed together right and now now our listeners know that now you know now you know Um, but uh, as I think about evangelism I I think in some ways it starts with asking with with prayer with asking God um, to to open my heart to what he's doing in the world around me in the people around me Um, so it, it doesn't start with me assuming I have all the answers. It doesn't start with me um, e- even necessarily uh, being confident that I'm gonna be able to answer all the questions that people may or may not have. Um, there's a, one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs eighteen thirteen 13 says, um, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And so what I would say is it starts with listening first to God, you know, asking God to, to make clear uh, who are the people he's bringing into my life that he wants me to invest in, um, and, and then listening to the people that are around me. Uh, what are the questions they're asking? What are the questions they're not asking?
1: Yeah, that's great. What are the questions they're asking? i mean there's almost a sense in which we we sort of jump into their uh, it, it's like i take my brain and i put it in their life and i go what question would i be asking if i you know was was 35 and had had three kids and was living in maryland it's like no because yeah and, literally it's it's a christian worldview, right yeah like it's, i see the world through a completely different lens because of jesus and so, yeah, talk to me like, how do I even begin the process of going what what question is my neighbor is my is my coworker asking? Because it's not the question I'm asking.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, before I answer that question, sure. i'm I'm just as you were talking, rob, i'm I'm thinking, you know, those of us that are uh, in in a marriage or that have kids, um, you know, we know that doesn't go well when we assume that the other person is reacting the way we would react. I mean, we we probably see that almost every day that that does not go well right right so um you know why why would we think that that it would be any different with with any other kind of relationship you know um so so yeah now you were asking me sorry you you asked me about yeah um, so
1: I, i think the the question really then becomes how do i how do i start to you you said listen and i think that's key but what do i listen for how do i start to actually realize that my neighbor is asking a question my coworker is asking questions maybe even without asking questions cuz when was the last yeah. time someone came to you and said you know what dan i was curious do you think there's a heaven and a hell right that's not a question that comes up very often but but if we listen we actually do hear that that our the people in our lives are asking questions
0: yeah and and i think um uh there, there's there's a again there's like a a biblical sort of example of that and then and then just sort of some practical things so I, I can kind of speak to both um i i think you know if you look at paul's interaction with uh the the folks in athens when he's there uh, he spent a good bit of time out in the marketplace just observing and uh when he finally was um was sort of offered a public venue for speaking, uh, you know, he said, look, you know, men of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. You know, he saw all these statues all over the city. Um, and and he said, even in this statue of the unknown God, you you recognize that there is some ignorance, that there's something missing that mm-hmm. you don't know. And And so... Uh, we certainly don't have um, physical, like, statues to things that we consider gods or, or goddesses in our, in our current cultural context. But there are plenty of things that are all around us that point to um, the reality of uh, where people's hearts are going, the things that they're giving their time, attention, worry um, you know, hope in, yeah. um, that, and, and so I think what we begin to do is to ask, um, what are, what are the, what are the deep heart cries that are being expressed that maybe people don't even know they're expressing?
1: Yeah, so it's like a it's like a two-step process though, don't you think? Like on one hand, I need to start to see, like Paul as he walks through Athens, the idols, of of the city of Athens. And so for us, I think there's a, we need to be aware of, the idols of our area, mm-hmm. and and maybe I'm maybe I'm a little bold here, but I I would actually argue the idols of my area are going to be most clearly seen in me. Hmm. It's it's not walking around and looking at you know quote unquote the the, the unbelievers and going, what idols are they struggling with? It's sort of like, Hey, I I mean, I'm a product of this area, right? I've been, I've born and raised in Maryland my entire life. I went to school in Maryland. I've, I, I drink and eat Maryland. Right. And so I go, what are the things that I struggle with? And if I was to be really honest, it's, it's success. I want to be really, really successful and not just for myself, but I do secretly, I want people to acknowledge that I am successful that, I would say, is one of the idols of our area. Excellence. I want people to see that the things that I do are excellent, and I want to be seen as an excellent person. Uh, money. I throw money in there. I mean, obviously, we're an extremely wealthy area, um, one of the wealthiest in the country, and we're in one of the wealthiest countries in, in the world. So, yeah, wealth. And so, you know, as you are at home sort of listening along to this, you know, begin to think through... Your neighbors, your coworkers, what are the things that they are unconsciously believing will bring them happiness, satisfaction, and contentment?
0: Yeah.
1: It's probably the same thing that you are are thinking, you know, if I just had more of this, then my life would be good. What, what do you think about that, Dan?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's true, Rob. I think, you know, in addition to those things that you listed, um, uh, you know, I, I might— throw in there also the the idea of education. I think people put a lot of hope in education. That's very true. Um, one of one of my my mentors um, said, you know, if you want to find somebody's idols, you know, just look at what makes them mad. Or or again speaking to you, like when when your idol is challenged, your default response is going to be anger, right? Yeah. So just think about whenever somebody tries to tweak education in this area. People get all up in arms, right? And and that's not to say there aren't legitimate things to be upset about in that. Sh- sure, um, but I think kind of going below the surface, it it exposes you know uh, some of those those idols. Now, here's here's the real interesting question: is all of those things that you that we've mentioned are are all in some ways we we see them either up. On the surface, if you think of like an iceberg, they're, they're things that kind of like are either up there floating on the surface that we can see, or maybe they're just below the surface, but we can kind of, you know, we can get to them pretty easily. The, the real question becomes, you know, what's, what's deeper below that? Um, what, are, what are some of the, the deeper things that are driving the people around me that maybe they won't even acknowledge to themselves? All right, Dan, so we just,
1: uh, we took we took a brief pause, and where we left off, we were talking about how our idols, right, our idols really almost reveal the questions that we're asking about life. I, I want to seek, um, I, I'm seeking this, this thing, whether it's success or money or wealth or whatever it might be, because really, at the end of the day, I'm kind of asking the question, will my heart be satisfied by this? And what happens if it's not satisfied this? And so that's where I start to hear the, the questions, but I think before we go any further into like how we listen to our, our neighbors and and things of that nature, let's just kind of talk about the, the sometimes sad, but reasonable reality of, of our two default responses of living in a world that is not, not only not interested in what the Bible has to say, but almost um, comes across a little hostile at times, you know, uh, against it really. And so I go, it seems to me there's two default responses when when faced with um, a threat, right? It's to it's to retreat or to go on the counterattack, and so it's really a fight or flight mechanism in in some ways. Where I go, I look around at my culture and I don't like what I see, and I especially when you think about kids, right? We're we're talking to young families here, many of which have kids. I go, I want to protect my kids from this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna retreat. I'm gonna pull out of. Um, you know uh, the 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 public area of life, and I'm going to really close in so that I protect my child. The other is to go on the counterattack. It's to say no, um, I'm going to be out and against all these things that our culture is shoving down my throat. And so, could you talk to talk to us a little bit for just a brief minute about what's the cost of that? Like, like what is the cost of retreat, and what is the cost of counterattack? And do you believe that, that in Jesus, we see a better example?
0: Wow. Okay. So there's, there's lots, lots in there. Um, great, great, uh, great question, Rob. And and I like the way you kind of, uh, ask kind of phrased that at the end. Um, I think, um, where I would start actually is kind of where we started at the beginning is, um, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And so um, if that's the case, then in some ways, I don't have to be afraid of anything that the culture is saying, because Jesus is Lord over all of it. Um, He turns... You know, God talks about turning even the, the hand of, of the kings in, or the heart of the kings in his hand. And so if Jesus is Lord of everything, um, you know, I don't have to be afraid of um, the, the messages that are coming at me or at my kids. Um, and, and I don't necessarily. So, so on the one hand, I don't have to pull away. Um, certainly there's wisdom there, right? Like we have to exercise wisdom in, um, just like in my own life. If I, um, am constantly watching, um, a, you know, a particular show and sort of my life is invested in that. And I start to adopt that, uh, that sort of mindset or that mentality. Um, you know, that can be unhealthy. I, I'm, I'm reading a book right now that's set in, in Mars. And, um, like I have to remind myself, this is fiction, you know, so so we see that like in any any message, anything that we consume, we have to um, be wise about how we how we consume it. Um, but we don't have to be afraid of it. And I think that's I think that's the important thing. And at the same time, um, we 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 look at how Jesus won the victory over sin and death and Satan. It was, through his own death through laying down his life it was through entering into the world that was broken and walking alongside of broken sinners he was not afraid to get his his hands dirty by touching sinners Uh, he wasn't afraid to confront the powerful rulers Um, but he always did it in a way that he never needed to win (laughs) Um, because he knew where his authority came from. And so what I would say is, we don't have to pull back in fear. We don't have to lash out needing to win an argument or a fight or a political cause or a, a social issue. We, we don't have to win any of that. Again, that doesn't mean we don't engage in those, and, and we could talk about that. That could actually be a whole separate, again, yeah, absolutely. topic. Absolutely. Um, but one of the so so one way of thinking about that, that third way, as it were, um, is uh, is is offered uh, by Tim Keller, um, and and it's sort of a three step process where when you're confronted with uh, a a claim uh, in by by the culture around you um, that is that is contrary to the gospel, something that's not true. Um, you first, rather than either running away or lashing out and saying, no, that's wrong. You first ask, um, what, what is true about this? Like, what is the heart longing behind this? What's, what's this person looking for? And affirm that. So, so in education, for example, um, you know, the, the longing for education is to know more about the world. It's to understand. Well, that's a good thing. God created us for that. Right. So we affirm that and say, yes, this is what we, we were made to know, God and his world. But then how is it being misused? In other words, how are you never going to find what you're looking for the way you're looking for it?
1: Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, I, I, it makes me think of like Psalm 19, right? The heavens declare you know, your works, oh God. And it's like, yes, there is a, there is an avenue of like God, God puts the galaxies and the stars and these things in there because it, it does, it stirs something in my heart. I, I had a friend, okay. He's, he's not a believer at all. And it's, he was actually sharing this. He, he loves hiking. He loves getting out of the city and out somewhere far away where there's mountains. And he just says to me, he says, now he uses, he uses the word vibe, right? He says, there's a vibe out there that just can't, I can't, uh, explain. And I said, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. There's something about being in nature that is transcendent. And he was like, dude, that's exactly how I feel. And I said, why do you think that is? Yeah. And we had this awesome conversation, but it, you know, it didn't start with, well, that's stupid, you know, like right. that's just ridiculous. Well, it's, it, you feel that way because that's God's hand. You trying to point you to him. It's no, I said, yeah, I totally get that. And, yeah. and just to be clear, that's not to brag on myself, but it's because I think there's a sense in which, yeah, there's something really,
0: they're closer than they think a lot of the time. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, just like the Athenians were closer than they thought without realizing, and yet they were still far off. Absolutely. Because Paul says they were ignorant. The thing that they tried to worship in ignorance, Paul was exposing that to them. Right. Um, and so certainly it's, it's not, you know, K- Keller's approach is to say, yes, this is what you're looking for. No, you're not going to find it this way. So, you know, again, in, in just in education, like you can be the best educated person in the world and that will not make you happy. Right. You can know more than anyone else. You can win Jeopardy for the next, you know, 10 years straight. And that will not bring you satisfaction. It will not make you complete. Why? Because you were made to know not just about the world, but the one who made the world. And so that's why as important as education is, it will never save us. That's why as important as you know, work is, it will never save us. Um, That's why as important as security is and safety is, ultimately that will not fulfill us in life.
1: Dan, that's just that that is such a helpful mindset, paradigm, template, because I think it it really does it actually allows me to draw near in a way that I can listen to those around me. I can hear your question. Because I don't feel the need to flee from you because of your opinion, and I don't feel the need to dismantle you immediately to show you the foolishness of your ways. I can actually go, hey, my neighbor has something going on in their life that I can actually resonate with because deep down, or maybe not even so deep down, they too bear the image of God. Exactly. Which means there is something in them that is still searching for him. They might not recognize they're searching for him, but they're searching for him.
0: Exactly. They were created with that same cultural mandate, that same creation mandate um, that, that all of us were. Um, and, and so that is, that is our point of contact with, with anyone, whatever their story, is we were both, we both bear the image of God. We both carry the wounds and the scars of sin. And we're both only going to find wholeness in jesus um so you know then i guess when it comes to actually listening and and how to do that i I think in some ways rob this frees you um because i think sometimes we can we hear we we hear evangelism and we either think one of two things, either like I got to be out there confronting everybody, you know, I got to be, you know, in the face of all my coworkers and I got to be obnoxious. And some of us, like, we can't do that because, you know, a, a lot of folks are in jobs where right. you can't, you, you really don't share like a lot of, you know, outside of work stuff. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean you're not being faithful to Jesus simply, and to the call to be a, a disciple maker um, by simply listening, by seeing the image of God, and by by um, looking for the ways God is at work in that person and getting on board with, with what he's doing in their life, rather than trying to bring my agenda. I think sometimes, I know personally, I have felt guilty, like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing what I should be doing because I'm not speaking boldly enough. And maybe that's true, but I haven't actually asked God if that's true. I've just assumed that right. I have to be speaking like an obnoxious person um, or, or making myself obnoxious rather than asking God, help me see what you're doing and help me to speak truth into this person's life, um, or or to be quiet and just to walk alongside if that's what's needed.
1: Yeah, that, that's really good. It, it, it does help sometimes to hear that because I think we can carry around a guilt. You know, you think about Romans 10, how will they believe in whom they have not heard? Right. How right. will they hear unless someone tells them, right? And right. I'm going, oh man, when was the last time I just like told my neighbor the full on gospel, starting with creation and then the fall. And it doesn't happen very often, but I go, there's, you know, there's a pastor, actually, it's one of the, the pastors that our church supports here at Chapel gate. And he says, serve them, love them. And if you do those things, they will ask questions. And it's, it's a, it's a really, it's a cart before the horse or the horse before the cart, because we, we tend to think of evangelism as let me go tell them about the gospel. Well, let me instead maybe think about what can i do to love them yeah what can i do to to serve them not even just for the point of so i can tell you the gospel later but because that like if i have abundance in the love of jesus christ yeah which we do i can share
0: yeah and i and i again i i think the need to to begin and, end and have in the middle prayer for the people God has put in my life. Because when I'm asking God on their behalf, for their good, um, then I'm gonna be a lot more in tune. I, I guarantee you, you'll find yourself actually speaking up more than, than if it was like, okay, I gotta go tell them about Jesus now.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so I, I'm not this is not at all I'm not advocating silence. I'm not advocating you know that that we gotta just you know um, just be good people and that's and that's enough. you know be be a, be a friendly neighbor. Um, that that's not what I'm saying. Um, I, I, I'm saying ask God what He's doing in the lives of the people we work with, the kids on our on our, you know, child soccer teams, their parents, you know, the people that we see when we go to the store. You know, is there somebody that you see every week when you go to Dunkin' Donuts, you know? Um, am I allowed to Am I allowed to talk about a specific – any coffee yeah. store, whatever coffee store you go to. Sorry, Rob. This, this podcast is not sponsored in any way, shape, or form by Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, With the budget but, we're on, it would actually be like the – There you go. There you go.
0: But but, you know, is there somebody you see every week that that maybe, you know, God wants you just to start praying for Um, and and, you know, start there?
1: Well, Dan, I I think this is as good a time as any to kind of to wrap it up. And, And just in summary, I think if I could capture your thoughts, I would say this, that that really what you shared today is that we we are first and foremost to be transformed by the gospel. Before I ever seek to carry the gospel out to others, I need to further understand it myself because I can't give what I don't have. And so as I start to see myself, as we talked about, as a sinner, right, that's actually something I have in common with every human being. And as I see myself as a sinner who's been saved by grace through faith, not by any merit of my own, that actually gives me a tenderness, a charity, a charitability, if that's a word, towards my neighbor because I realize the only thing different between me and them is that I know Jesus Christ, and I submit to his authority now, not the tyranny of self-interest or the tyranny of wealth or the tyranny of whatever it is, ultimately sin, that's over my life. And so the gospel actually gives me the right lens to engage because when I understand that this is God's work, God is doing a work in the life of my neighbor, and that's the only one who can because it's who did a work in my heart. Then I go, I don't need to flee, and I don't need to attack. I need to be present. I need to listen. I need to pray. Yep. So, um, you know, as we as we do come to a close, I just want to say thank you. Um, I do have one last question for you, which is this: if 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 someone out there is listening right now and they go, "Hey guys, that's great. I I I get it, but I also struggle because sometimes I struggle to explain." the gospel. I struggle to explain why I think the Bible is, is trustworthy. You know, these more like brass tacks, fundamental side of, of defending and sharing our faith. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you would recommend them for in in terms of the seminary.
0: Yeah. So, um, Metro Baltimore Seminary has a a one-year certificate program where, um, we, we offer to students, um, kind of a survey of old and New Testament um, a little bit of an introduction into Christian theology um, and uh, you know it's it's very accessible um, you can take classes it's one night a week um, and you know if you if you want to just come and learn a little bit more you can you, you don't even have to sign up for the full program you can come and take you know one or two classes see how it goes um, uh, I'm actually teaching a class on evangelism and apologetics starting at the end of August. So if you if you wanted to just come and audit that class, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, so classes meet at Chapelgate. Gate. Uh, we also have a, a site over in East Baltimore at Freedom Church. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd love, you know, check out MetroBaltimoreSeminary.org. Um, and uh, we've got some online information sessions happening throughout the summer. We'd love to, you know, talk with people there or, you know. Contact me individually. i would happy to do that.
1: So. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dan. I, I will be putting the link for the website down into the uh, down into the show notes. If you want to learn more about Metro Baltimore Seminary or Chapel Gate, both the links will be down there. We'd love for you guys to check that out because we believe that uh, that what these what this church and what the seminary are doing is really preparing us to go and be the people God has called us to be. Yep. So thank you very much, Dan. Appreciate having you and uh, hope we get to do it again. Thanks, Rob. I hope so, too. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with uh, Pastor Dan Passarelli. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to him and uh, just wrap our minds around what it means to be missional as a young family. As always, if you want to learn more about Chapel Gate or you want to know how to get involved as a young family yourself, please check out our website. The link is in the show notes. And we look forward to catching up with you again very soon in our next episode of In the Fire. Thanks
0: for listening.